Hey everyone, thanks for tuning into this episode of the Aquademia Podcast. I'm Shauna Laughlin. And I'm Maddie Cassidy. And Maddie, I got a question for you. Shoot. What is one of the biggest hurdles in fish farming? Probably that you can't necessarily see with your own two eyes what's going on. Wouldn't it be cool if there was a technology that allowed you to see what's going on in your tank without diving down in there? Yeah, if only something like that existed. Well, today we got to talk with <laughs> Cody Warner, who is the, he's the director of sales and marketing at Deep Trekker. And Deep Trekker has been around for uh, about 10 years, but they produce underwater ROVs or remote operated vehicles. They're basically underwater drones that help you see what's going on underwater. And they've, it's a technology that's been around for a long time, but they have really made it smaller, accessible. portable, affordable, and accessible. Uh, and it's and we just kind of get into all the different uses, the different models that they have, and then some of the really cool ideas that they have for the future. So I think you're really going to enjoy this episode. It was super interesting. I had a good time. But before we get into it, as I always do, I want to remind everybody to please make sure you're subscribed to Aquademia wherever you listen to podcasts. So every time we come out with a new episode, you won't miss it. It'll automatically download to your phone so you can listen to it whenever you want. And if you want to keep in touch with us, you can do that on Twitter by following us at AquademiaPod or checking out our website, globalseafood.org slash podcast. That's right. And lastly, if you have a couple minutes, you like the show, you enjoy it, you think you get something out of it, then we really would appreciate it if you took a couple minutes to leave us a rating and review on whichever podcast platform you use. It really helps us out and we appreciate everyone that's done that already. So without further ado, enjoy this conversation we had with Cody and we'll talk to you at the end. Welcome to the Aquademia Podcast. Our diet is hurting the environment in myriad ways. I mean, we desperately need to eat more seafood. This is a pioneering industry with a whole lot of people who have really good ideas and a lot of experience and are unafraid. Aquademia is your go-to podcast for a fresh take on all things seafood. So we're sitting down today with Cody Warner, who is the Director of Sales and Marketing at Deep Trekker, which, by the way, one of the coolest company Great and product name. names. Great name. I mean, that's straight, straight out of a sci-fi movie, Deep Trekker. It's so cool. <laughs> Welcome, Cody. Thanks for joining us. Well, thank you very much for having me. Excited to be here. No, we really appreciate it. This is a really good example. This episode is a good example of visual marketing because the reason we got Cody on this episode is because Justin and myself were walking around the seafood show in Boston, which if you're a regular listener, you've heard all kinds of stuff from the seafood show from us. But we saw they had a big cylinder tank with uh, an ROV in it and it drew us right to him and we went and we got to drive it and and learned all about it and then we ended up bringing him on to talk about it and its uses in the seafood industry. So before we get into the product itself, Cody, I want to talk about you to give our listeners kind of an idea of who they are hearing from today. So can you give us a quick little background on yourself and kind of how you got into this industry? Yeah, for sure. So uh, I actually started with the company seven years ago and the company's about a decade old now and I had no business talking about anything related to robotics. I was managing a restaurant <laughs> prior to Deep Trekker. Um, oh, and I, wow. I started as the lone sales guy and employee number 12 uh, at that time. And now fast forward, we've got over 100 employees. We've got thousands of these robots spread throughout over 100 countries worldwide. And so wow. a big part of my role, especially pre-pandemic, was traveling to these trade shows, going to shows like the, the Seafood Expo. And uh, and being the smiling face next to the robot in the tank. 
Yeah. And were, were you there? I didn't actually speak to you at the show. Were you there? Yes, I was. I was uh, probably just making rounds. Yeah, okay. I don't remember who it was that I spoke to, but she was very nice and super knowledgeable. Um, she did a fantastic job. But do, do you have a familiarity with kind of the history of, of Deep Trekker and how it started? I know you said it was already around for a couple of years before you joined them, but can you kind of share a little bit of, you know, what prompted this company to start up and kind of how it got going? Yeah, absolutely. So it was actually three friends on a boat in Lake Huron and they dropped a flashlight overboard and they thought, ah, we can make a, a robot to go get that. Naturally, they're engineers, so they're smart enough to actually put one together. And it was out of the gate. It was a, a very basic, simple system. Uh, and like they were playing around with parts like car batteries at the surface, and then they ended up deciding oh, wow. to put it into, uh, into the RV itself. <laughs> yes, and there was laptops and wires everywhere. And it, if, if you see the pictures of it, it's really, uh, it's really quite something in comparison to what we've done now. But uh, there was also a really uh, basic website that went up as well with a hand-drawn logo, if you can imagine. If you go on Wayback oh, Machine, wow. you can go look at it. But uh, that website was able to attract our first sale, which actually was into fish farming, was a Norwegian fish farm supplier. And they bought the first 10 units. That paid for the parts to get started. And our president, Jeff, he, uh, he had... Uh, originally built the first 300 units with his his co-founders Sean and Sam uh, out of the basement of Jeff's house and then right around then we moved into our first little factory and that's when I started. Wow that is such an interesting origin story it really just came out of like necessity imagination oh and we can actually do this so let's do it yeah that's such a that's such an engineering mindset too <laughs> for sure and actually it's funny because it started as as just a toy like the really the thought wasn't let's go use this to solve a problem on fish farms it was let's go get this flashlight and hey it might be fun to go look at stuff right yeah, yeah. Sure. and then it just grew from there so now, what is Deep Trucker working on? So what are the different industries that you work in? How is the product used? And maybe give us a little bit of background on the product itself. For sure. I, I'll, I'll I'd probably take up a whole hour talking about all the different applications. But <laughs> the, the, the few highlight ones, we do work with a lot of defense agencies, so navies and coast guards. Uh, using them for checking the bottoms of boats or going and, and looking for unexploded ordnance to ocean scientists doing species surveys and taking samples to uh, municipal water using them for water storage tank inspections uh, to rich yachties who just want to go and and look for treasure Uh, (laughs) and then we we also see them used by fish farmers for net inspections mooring inspections monitoring fish behavior doing site checks so you can imagine you want to check the health of the soil, having a device to go down and take sediment samples and, and get a look is, uh, is a useful device. Um, and then we also work with, with fisheries who are wanting to check the bottoms of their boats without dry docking. We see uh, activists going out and using our systems to go recover uh, ghost fishing gear. There's there's all kinds of fun ways to use the systems. That's super cool. I, don't, I know uh, I had a really good friend in college who was... He, was majoring in um it wasn't ocean engineering but it was some type of something within that that field and i know right now he's still working for the university and doing and doing some research and stuff and he uses underwater rovs pretty regularly i don't know if he uses deep trekker but it's really cool to see 
the stuff that he posts on social media and stuff. It's really, it's just, it's such a cool technology uh, and there's so many different applications. But I think the thing that our audience will be most interested in. Can we pause oh, for a second? Oh yeah. So Sean, I'm just going to quickly interrupt you. You've mentioned ROVs twice now, but we haven't necessarily told our listeners what an ROV is. So Cody, could you let us know what an ROV is? For sure. A ROV or remotely operated vehicle or sometimes called an underwater drone or a, you can really simplify it and just call it a swimming camera. Um, essentially what it is, <laughs> is picture like a remote control car. You've got a controller that you can operate and um, tell this, this thing where to go and then it can be equipped with various sensors and tools uh, to be used out in the water. It's a, it's a great tool as a either complement to a diver or to replace a diver in, in dangerous scenarios. The first thing that comes to my mind when you're saying can I guess? that. Can I guess? Yes. Titanic. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> if anyone's seen the Titanic movie, it starts off with them flying an ROV yes. down to the ship to see Exactly. Yep. That's so funny. I'm sure you get that a lot. Oh, well, it's, it's just disappointing because our systems aren't depth rated that deep, so we can't help in that. But <laughs> <laughs> I know. Oh, that's that was really deep that but that's know. that's the general idea right it's that it's the same type of technology it's just you know there's different levels of it so what i was getting at before is what our audience is likely to be most interested in are two topics one is the ghost gear retrieval and hull inspection for our folks in the wild caught fisheries industry and probably more likely i would think that the biggest interest would be in uh, aquaculture and all of the applications that this can be used for because one of the problems with aquaculture you know if you think about terrestrial farming your crop your livestock whatever you're farming is right there you can see it you can see when there's problems. You can see. You can get what, up close yeah, to Yeah, you can see when the stalls need to be cleaned out or, you know, when all this stuff. The problem with aquaculture is all you see is the surface of the water. Exactly. So unless you got dead fish floating on the top, it's hard to know when something out of the ordinary is going on. And so this is a great solution to how can I see what's going on in there? And, and there are a lot of farms that utilize divers. They'll dive into cages and they'll go check things out and fix issues with any of the, the cages or anything like that. But this is a way that you can do that without that manpower, without without divers, without actually going in there. And so if you look on the Deep Trekker website, there's some super cool information and, and products and, and kind of accessories that you can tag onto this. Can you talk about the different applications and how it's used in fish farming and what are some of the different little pieces of equipment that are useful to fish farmers. For sure. And, and I do also got to say that, uh, that agriculture and, and farms like land-based farms are, are also no stranger to drone technology. They'll be, they use aerial drones to survey their crops, uh, or at least some mm. of the more technically advanced ones. But mm. uh, so in, in terms of different applications and tools that you can add to these things, the most important, of course, is your camera that's on board. And it's a, it's a very high quality 4K camera that, that we've custom made for being underwater and handling the, the poor lighting and the, the weird coloring of the underwater world and making sure that it still looks really crisp. So the cameras first, that's how you detect holes and nets. That's how you're going to determine, do I need to do a repair? Do I need to uh, change a mooring or or... Uh, monitor the fish and see if there's any lice on the fish, for example, make sure that they're schooling properly. But one of the biggest things about being underwater, like you said, is that I can't see where anything is. Well, that goes for your underwater drone too. 
so you, you need to have an understanding of where am I going underwater. And GPS actually doesn't work underwater. So you can't have a little dot on a phone or something telling you where you're going. Mm-hmm. So there's a few different add-ons that you can hand, uh, add to handle that. Uh, pressure sensors and compasses to be able to help you understand what direction am I moving in, how deep am I. And then there's acoustic technology that I won't get into the, the details of how it works, but um, just... Uh, know that there's an acoustic technology out there called USBL that allows you to track where your position is underwater with a few extra gizmos at the surface. And then there's actual physical tools that you can use. There's grabber claws, so you can do recoveries or even uh, add or remove pred nets with them. You can add a, a cutter to be able to cut lines and ropes if there's anything trapped anywhere. We have a what's called a mort digger so it's actually a tool for pushing morts towards a lift up system so if you have a a vacuum system that lifts any morts from the bottom to the surface you probably are aware that sometimes they don't quite make it there so it's nice to have a little friend to go down and And, and for anyone who's not aware what do you mean when he says morts he he means dead fish yes at the bottom of the kitchen (laughs) (laughs) that's the the nicer word uh, and then, so we also have a net patch kit. I will say that our, our aim and that our equipment does not completely replace divers. We're not just removing the diver from the equation. But yeah. what we can do with a net patch is place a patch over a hole, which is obviously one of the biggest risks for a farm is that you could lose your whole stock through a hole. The patch will hold for at least a, a day or two until you can get a dive crew out to fix it, especially if you're somewhere really remote, which, I mean, oftentimes, if you know your fish farms, they're, they're not typically in the middle of a, of a dense city. You're, you're going to need to call an emergency dive crew that is very, very expensive to, to fill that hole. So being able to place a patch with your ROV just gives you another tool and option to work with. It's really cool, and especially when, when you look on the... I, I, you know, I've spent some time looking through your website before we got on here. The the mort pushing tool is <laughs> looks really neat. Can you grab a fish carcass with that too? You said you can bring it to the surface, right? Can you actually like grab onto it and bring it up? Yeah. So the the, the ideal way that you use it is push the fish toward the lift up the, the vacuum system. However, not all farms have them, so it is a way that you can you can actually pitch the ROV and bring that whole fish to the surface. It is a lot less efficient, though. So, if, well, yeah, yeah. If your whole mort management uh, system is based around a deep trekker ROV going up and down, uh, that'll take <laughs> you a long time. But <laughs> it is an option in a pinch. That's funny. Yeah, it's just it's just cool to see. I, I actually want to go back to when you were talking about kind of knowing where it is in the cage. I will say, uh, when I had the opportunity to operate it, it was really difficult in the beginning. There's definitely a learning curve, uh, which actually I was able to grasp fairly quickly. You know, when you first get this controller in your hand, it's like it's like you're holding two Nintendo 64 controllers on steroids, right? <laughs> and there's just so many different toggles and switches and stuff. And it's really hard to get an idea of looking at the camera versus looking at where it was in the tank. It was difficult for me to put those two together and navigate it, but it probably took me... To Two, two minutes or so before I started to kind of get the feel for it. So if someone gets one of these on their farm, do you have people that come out and kind of train them or help people figure out the best way to use it so they're comfortable with it? How does it work? For sure we do. So we, we have technical trainers on staff that, that will go out and visit sites. 
We also have a, a pretty thorough virtual training series to walk people through the controls. But I, I also got to say, if you're saying N64, you might be dating yourself a little bit. So <laughs> yeah. the, uh, the ideal operators are about 10 years old. <laughs> uh, they, if, you, if you have a little bit more of a, of a gaming experience, I find that the learning curve is a lot shorter. And uh, like you said, within a couple minutes, you kind of get a feel for it. And I would say a reasonable expectation would be two hours, two to three hours, if you're fighting current is a, is a big factor that can make it harder to drive. But mm. two to three hours, you're going to be able to perform a reasonable inspection with it. It's, um, I agree, it's not something that you can just pick up and, and drive immediately right out of the gate. But particularly fish farms have a lot of, of things to look at, which is a very helpful part of the learning experience. If you're someone who, say, is a ocean scientist out in the open and is looking to do a very complex survey collecting a lot of different data, then that can be a, a stiffer learning curve. Yeah, there's like a lot of landmarks that you can center on, right? Exactly. And that just gives you something to work toward. It gives you an easier objective, which then just gives your your natural ability with the joysticks a little easier of a time to learn it. Yeah, it was. I mean, I, I, I just remember when they first put that thing in my hand and I'm trying to drive this, it seemed completely like uh, like I had no idea. It wasn't, <laughs> I couldn't grasp it. But then like, I think I did it for probably a minute and a half to two minutes. And I was like, oh, okay. So I'm starting to get the idea. I got to do these together to go this way. And I'm not a big gamer, as you can tell. <laughs> I do remember getting a Nintendo 64 when I was a kid and, and thinking that this thing was ridiculous, this controller. <laughs> so that's kind of why that's that, that was the reaction I had to that. But yeah, it just seeing how quickly I was able to kind of adapt and figure it out in a very rudimentary way makes me think that it, it, it's a whole lot more intuitive than it seems, right? It, it seems really intimidating when you first see it. Oh, for sure. So yeah. And the, yeah. Uh, I, I join you with the, uh, the N64 was my, my upbringing too. And uh, I think that's kind of how I got this job in the first place. So. <laughs> but uh, hopefully uh, your controllers here are a little more robust and they won't have the worn down plastic, uh, <laughs> that, you know, that gets all loose after, after yeah. a couple hours. So. <laughs> For sure. So could you tell us a bit more? Now we've talked a little bit about the fish farming side of things. I'd love to hear about what you mentioned earlier about ghost gear and how deep checker helps with finding gear that has been abandoned or lost at sea and people don't really even know that it's there but it's harming the environment because it's not a natural item in this habitat mm -hmm. so if you could talk about that i'm super interested to hear more about that for sure yeah there's a couple problems with it one it becomes a natural trap for for wildlife but it also is it leaches a little bit of microplastics too so microplastics is obviously becoming a big topic in, in ocean conservation but yeah definitely the the way that it works so there's there's two parts one you got to find these this stuff and then the other part mm -hmm. is you got to recover it so in the finding process the best way to locate most things underwater is to use a technology called side scan sonar. Are, are you familiar with, with side scan sonar at all? Uh, not really. Can you give us a quick little rundown of it? Yeah, for sure. So uh, sonar is almost like an acoustic camera. It's not quite giving you a visual like a camera, but what sonar does is it sends out a bunch of pulses and then it gets returns and it stitches those returns into 
and some sort of image for you. And there's, there's all kinds of different sonar, but the way that side scan sonar works is you drag it with a boat or it's attached to a boat. The boat goes around and picture does a, like a, like a lawnmower and is sweeping an area and is painting a, a 2D picture of the bottom. And then what you can do with that is you'll find areas that look a little strange. It's not painting a picture like here's here's the ghost gear. Like it's it's that <laughs> that doesn't quite look like a natural rock, right? So mm-hmm. you'll look and you'll see uh, anomalies that are there. And then what you can do with the deep checker is go and verify those targets. So you've you've driven your boat around, you've picked up a few spots that you think could be ghost gear, and then the ROV can go down, get a look at that target and see what it is and how we can go about recovering it. And there's a, a variety of ways that you can recover things, but the way that Deep Checker helps is we can use the cutter to, to break it free if it's caught on something, or use the grabber to grab on and then you pull up by the tether, or you can hook a little carabiner onto the, the lobster pod or, or whatever the target is and lift it up with a line or put a lift bag on it. There's all kinds of ways that you can retrieve it. Yeah, so how I mean what what kind of weight can the deep checker handle to bring things back up before you need to like hook up separate lines or or actually send someone down there or you know what how much weight do you think it could handle to bring something back up? Yeah, so I, you saw it at the show. It's it's about the size of a of a basketball. So it's not grabbing onto objects and swimming with them. Yeah. It it'll lift. Except dead fish. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> it'll lift about a pound or two. Uh, some of our b- bigger vehicles may be five to ten pounds, but what it can do is grab on and then pull up by the tether. So the tether can support. It depends on your option that you buy, but we can support three hundred to a thousand pounds. Oh wow! Mm. Okay, cool. So uh, keeping within that, you know, we we talked about uh, ghost gear. Oh god, My headphones just cut out. Are you still there, Cody? Yeah, yeah. I can hear I can you. Hear I just went. I lost my left head headphone. That's weird. <laughs> Um, oh, now I'm all, now I'm all like thrown up. Um, you know when it's like out of balance yes. and your equilibrium is all, that's where I'm at right now. Um, maybe. All right. I think I got it back. Okay. Sorry about that. Um, so we talked about uh, ghost gear and that is, you know, uh, primarily within the wild caught side, but you said the other thing that, that fishermen would use it for is to inspect and, and like, uh, the Navy has done this to coast guard, um, to inspect ship hulls. Do you have like you have the accessories that you can add on for the aquaculture stuff, you know, the net patches and and grabbers and stuff like that. Do you have different accessories that might be used if there's issues with with the hull of a boat or something? Not for doing repairs. You you need quite a bit of of torque to be able to to weld something for example. Mm-hmm. However, uh what you can do is put attachments like a thickness gauge. So if you wanted to see how thick the steel is on your boat, Really, the most valuable tool, again, is that camera. The camera, yeah. yeah. And and being able to do an inspection, there's a variety of reasons why you might inspect the bottom of your boat. One, you want to see, it, does it need to be cleaned or not, right? Is there... Right. If, mm-hmm. if it, covered in barnacles or... <laughs> exactly. If the hull gets covered in barnacles, then it's going to drive your, your fuel cost up every time that you run it. It's just a little bit slower and then you're burning more fuel. Uh, if you want to look for things like corrosion because then that's the, the next step to a, a leak or worse. And then you also might be looking for security purposes. This probably is less of a concern for fisheries, but, uh, but certainly Navy and, and Customs are using it for checking for 
things we don't want or that weren't supposed to be put there. Mm, interesting. So you have a bunch of different models on your website. How many different models do you have? We have seven different robots. So how would someone know which robot is best for them? Great question. We, uh, we really hope that you would just immediately say, I want to contact Cody and he'll help me. But uh, naturally, you got to do a little bit of research. Uh, if, you're, if you're not wanting to talk to one of our wonderful sales folk, uh, so the, the biggest way to figure out which is right for you is, number one, what's the objective? And then number two, what's the environment I'm working in? Um, so if I'm working in a very, very high current environment where the water moves really quickly and the water's really murky, then you're going to need a bigger, more powerful ROV that has more advanced sensors to be able to help stabilize in that current and be able to get a view through that murky water. If you're working in a very calm, clear water environment, that little one that you played with in the tank is just perfect. You don't need to get the uh, the bigger systems that we sell. That was really cool. Maddie, I wish you could have gotten a chance to... I know. And I walked by it and I thought that was so cool, but I must have been like on the way to a meeting or something, so I couldn't you, have stopped. You get such, such a good idea of like how it works and what mm. it can be used for and stuff when you actually get your hands on it. It's, it's really, really super cool. And I know ROVs have been around for a long time. Like you said, Titanic... <laughs> came out in the 90s. Like it's, I mean, they've been around for a long time. You guys have been around for about 10 years. What improvements have you seen over those 10 years? Because I imagine, you know, with the rate at, at which technology advances, mm. uh, it's crazy to see these types of technologies and how quickly they just get better and the changes that are made. What are some of the, the improvements or changes that you've seen since you've been here for, you know, you've been with them for almost a de decade. Yeah. So I'm sure there's been changes that you've witnessed. Oh, for sure. I mean, we were the, we were the first portable, low cost, easy to use ROV. Everything before us was large, complicated, and, but however, very capable still, you know, like the ones that go to Titanic serve their purpose. So you, you wouldn't send, our little DTG down to go find the, the Titanic. So Right. I mean, that <laughs> thing was not small and that yeah. was, it was yeah, not cheap. Yeah, that was giant. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So we really found a place for people who had never even thought of ROVs before. We very much have served, and we're, we're not the only ones that make these, but we've served a role of educating people that, hey, you know, you if you've got some sort of asset structure underwater you can go and get a look at it regularly without needing a ton of trading, without needing to spend a bunch of money, without needing regularly contracting divers. So I think that that applies to, to so many different people in so many different industries. And fish farming in particular, having eyes underwater on a daily schedule makes sense. It's, it's something that really farms need. It's not a luxury. And, and cost-wise, having divers in the water every day is astronomical so right the, the and the ROV, human safety aspect of exactly, it exactly exactly so you're putting people near moorings and and nets and all other kinds of things that are just not really safe for people to be around so we found our place with that but where the the kind of the development has gone and is is heading is is similar to a lot of buzzwords in a lot of industries is is autonomy and artificial intelligence so Mm -hmm. Making these systems now smarter and uh, removing some of the human elements of, of these uh, systems and how they work. So I'll use the aquaculture as an example for our future projects. We actually are working on a project, we've called it Project Sentry, but 
what we're working on is for a an ROV picture an ROV that lives on an offshore fish farm. So you've got your your net cage out in the water, and there's a little garage with bristles to clean him off when he needs it. Oh and my god! He lives there, and so cool. when you need your daily inspection, you press the go button. He's going to go on a pre-programmed path. He's going to collect the inspection video return back to that little garage, send it back to an office, or an office can be watching the whole time. And not only that, the video, it's going to be looking for holes in the nets. And if he finds a hole, then he'll flag back to the office, hey, I think I found a hole, can you look at this? And then a person back in a nice, comfortable office, rather than uh, being on a barge, is able to decide, okay, we need to send someone out or not. It's like Wally. <laughs> Justin, Justin would be losing his mind right now if he was if he was joining. Our our third co-host uh, would he would he loves learning about the technology stuff and he would he would be going bananas right now. Yeah, you just answered one of my questions and that would be like the involvement of AI with these ROVs. Like how smart can they be? How smart are they? And then it, are you seeing transition to making them even more intelligent through AI. Yeah, so the kind of like uh, autonomous cars. So cars right now are smart enough to drive on their own. They're in virtually all environments. The, the ROV side, the actual moving a vehicle around part, I'd say it's relatively easy. That's coming from a non-engineer naturally. Um, it's easy to, to belittle what they're doing, but they're... The, the movement side is easier than the AI side. The AI side, the engines are made, too, on training um, how to go and identify a picture is is something. You know the, the CAPTCHA things when you're on a website and you filled out a form mm -hmm. and you click, yep. there's a bike, that's a bike, that's a bike. Well, you're, you're actually helping Google train a, an AI engine to decide what's a bike versus what's not. But the, the way to train an AI engine is that you need to give it tens of thousands of pictures. And I think that the biggest hurdle to making these robots smarter is that there just aren't tens of thousands of holes in nets at this point. So thank God. Yes, mm. exactly. It's a good thing. <laughs> so I think that, that makes a lot of sense. There's, there's definitely the possibility to make them smart enough to identify what a hole is, but the time it'll take is just get, getting the engine enough data to be yeah. able to make that decision. It's so ironic because you do those CAPTCHA things to prove that you're not a robot, but by doing it, you're training robots to do that. <laughs> One thing that I think is super cool that I think is make that would make this uh, very enticing to fish farms or shrimp farms or wherever, you know, is that it is portable. I, I mean, this thing fits into like a Pelican case the size of a suitcase. Yep. And you just wheel it around like it's and because that that's great because a lot of fish farms, you don't have one cage. You know, you don't have one pond. It's a bunch of cages all lined up. You got to be able to bring this from one place to another right. fairly easily. And if you got an ROV, the kind that goes down to the Titanic and you need like a friggin' forklift or a crane to get it up off the bow of your boat and get it in the water, that's not going to work. So you need something that's that's small and portable and useful like that. And I think you guys really niche yourself down really nice in that in that area. It's cool to see like, you know, someone just walking up on the dock, wheeling this case behind them and hey, there's a ROV in there that's going to be able to get inside your cage. It's 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 super cool. Yeah, and I uh, I don't know if it's a it's a factor for all farms, but I know there's one here in in Ontario area that's a trout farm that uh, noise pollution's a big concern with their 
with their farms and with their um, with the trout. They want to make sure that they don't disturb the environment. And even having a little generator is a problem for them. So hmm. our systems, they fit in the, the suitcase, but they're also battery powered. So you don't need to be dragging some sort of power source around. There's not outlets sitting out on most of those farms. So that's just another little nugget that helps with uh, with farms and their inspections. Yeah. And it's quiet. I mean, even though it's using propellers, it was quiet when we were using it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And I mean, I wasn't in the water, so I don't know <laughs> how much louder it is when you're in, underwater with it. But the only time we heard it make a noise is when I did poorly driving and just crashed into the side of the tank. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I think it's, I think this is a super useful tool for farms. What are we looking at for kind of price point? Because I've seen some of the, the, there's a wide variety of prices on your website. So for someone who has a small farm who thinks they want to use this technology, but maybe they don't have all of the funds available, what does the affordability look like for smaller farmers? Yeah. So the the DTG3, the one that uh, you drove in the tank, that one is $8,500. And if you were to compare that to the cost of, of hiring a, a diver, typically you'd make your money back within four dives, three to four dives. Okay. And then when we talk about, remember how I said about uh, murky water, high current, I want to put all kinds of advanced sensors, you can make these things cost over $100,000. So... You can look at, it's important to look at your objective first in case you're someone that does have budget. Sometimes getting the the fanciest one isn't necessarily better. You're making your life a little more complicated. So sometimes I push people to the 8,000 even if the budget's there. I'm going to be honest, that's less than I expected. Yeah, me too. That's a lot less than I expected for that that piece of equipment. I like Um, hearing that. (laughs) Yeah. Well, well, I mean, I I have no context, right? Like for me, like I see the one on your website when I'm at the, uh, in the aquaculture section, if you scroll down, you see kind of like different options. The revolution is uh, 34 and that's, so that's kind of where I'm thinking, you know, there's a couple of different things here listed on here that are over $20,000. So for me, that was the quick context of like, okay, this is what the price range we're looking at. But then when you say, oh, that one that you drove was $8,000, like, oh, well, that's <laughs> a lot more affordable for smaller farmers and a good investment because, you know, it's going to it's gonna help you a lot. So uh, I just wanted to kind of get an idea for anyone who is in the industry and thinks that they would love to have one of these, but maybe thought that they were out of your price range. Like there are affordable options, which is which is great to know. What are the next steps what we talked about the ai stuff but what else is kind of on the horizon for you guys yeah so from the fish farming stuff the 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 resident in cage unit is the really exciting one Uh, we're also getting into autonomy in open water scenarios as well so being able to plot points around on a map and have the the robot go and that that should be out this year and uh, we've already been Mm -hmm. getting it in customers hands uh, with that capability so that's an exciting one. I think longer term, the bigger thing that you'll see is adding greater capabilities to the systems, meaning, you know, net repairs, improving on that, uh, mm-hmm. gathering more data. So we, we currently integrate some parameters, but being able to do live soil sampling, for example, uh, just stick a little shovel into the, into the uh, to do a benthic survey, and then to be able to see those parameters live. That's a that's another direction that we're we're definitely looking at. So yeah, there's there's def, there's a lot of things. We're we're also teaming up with some other robot manufacturers. There's another project that we're working on called Arrowind, where picture a remote control surface boat that there's no people on it, but you control it with a controller much like ours. 
and then have uh, uh, one of our robots mounted in a little garage on him and you drive out somewhere with your boat and then anchor and then deploy your ROV out to go and get a look. Now you're taking and keeping people on shore rather than having people out dealing with uh, the, the open ocean. Mm. Super cool. That's and then really eventually cool. the capability to go in and retrieve old drawings from shipwrecks, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> At some point. Um, Maddie, do you have any other questions? No, I'm just blown away by this. I think that this is so neat. So before we get into kind of how people can contact you and get and learn more about the product or potentially you know, start the process of you know engaging with you to purchase, uh, what else do you want to get out there while you have the platform? I, I the my favorite cause is the ghost fishing gear is yeah. uh, the and I, there's a program that I want to shine some light on in Norway. Actually, they have a government program in place where anyone, so any citizen, can go and find ghost gear and recover it and bring it back to their local office and receive. They get three hundred kroners, which is about fifty bucks. So um, it's kind of a neat program that I think if it was implemented in more places that you you just get a few people going out with with these sorts of devices and we could we could cover a lot more ground than you think and and really help make a little difference in uh, taking this stuff out of the ocean. Yeah, it's like when people have metal detecting as a hobby, it's kind of similar to that, Mm -hmm. but it's improving the environment at the same time. Exactly. I follow a guy on TikTok who's a, a diver. And he just posts videos of he just goes down and like collects whatever he can find, and he, and it's all it's always like trash. But he's you know he grabs it and takes it back and gets rid of it and stuff. But it's always fascinating. Like oh today on my dive I found like this piece of plastic and I found a license plate and all this stuff. And it's just like <laughs> every day he's going out there and, and cleaning up trash and like that little bit makes a difference. So like any of these incentives programs, it's always nice to hear about. I think that's great. Maybe maybe scooping up a few iPhones along the way too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So I, I got two more questions for you. One uh, is one that I want to start asking to our guests that we haven't really done too much, but how can we help you, either Maddie and myself or our company GSA? What what can we do to help you guys work towards where, where you want to go? Well, uh, this, this is kind of it, is, is getting our story out there more. Uh, we, we'd love for for fish farmers and fishers alike just to be aware that there's there's options out there that aren't crazy expensive, even if it isn't deep checker. There's there's ROVs out there that you can have, and it's really a tool that every fish farm should have. So, any way that you can help share the story and and help get us in touch with with more people that that are doing this work. Awesome. So then the last thing is, if we do have listeners that want to engage with you, want to start a conversation, maybe want to buy one of your Robots, uh, what's the best way for them to get in contact? Well, we've got our, our website, so we're deeptrekker.com, deeptrekker's D-E-E-P-T-R-E-K-K-E-R.com. We've got, uh, I think, pretty much every social channel covered except TikTok. That's my next dream. I'm an avid <laughs> TikToker myself. I hope there's no dances out there of me uh, circulating, but uh, we, we've got Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, uh, LinkedIn, but the... The best thing that you can do is reach out to us in, in one of these platforms or fill out a form on our website. And uh, our sales team is is very experienced in the field. We, we spend a lot of time out using these products. And we really are 
uh, we encourage our, our team to not be pushy salespeople. We are, we're, we're collaborative. We're very much focused on solving people's problems. So we, we hope that if you've got a, an idea of using it, that you're not afraid to reach out, that we won't be, you know, bugging you with em- endless emails and calls. Yeah. And I can, I can attest to that. Nobody seemed to push anything on me when I was, when I was visiting your booth at Boston. Um, it was just to learn about it and, and they were super gracious about that. But if anyone wants to contact Deep Trekker or contact Cody, I really do recommend that you check out their website. It's really impressive. There's a lot of cool video footage in there and, and it's just, it's really interesting and something that is going to be really useful. And it already is really useful to fish farmers and, and fishermen. So Cody, thank you so much for joining us today. We really appreciate it. I know it's early where you are, isn't it? Oh, no, I'm uh, heading into lunchtime soon, so. Oh, okay. <laughs> but thank you very much. I, I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, for sure. Thanks so much, Cody. Folks, that was our conversation with Cody Warner from Deep Trekker. We hope you enjoyed it. We hope you learned something. And we hope you contact them if this sounds like a tool that would be useful to you uh, on your farm or on your vessel. Yeah, check out the show notes for the links to their website and social media. Like I said, you can get a really good idea of the actual product on their website because there's a lot of really good video footage of it working. Uh, And it's super cool. I know I had a good time. I learned some stuff and I I just I really enjoyed talking about some of this technology. It was pretty cool. So uh, remember, if you like this and you want more episodes like this, make sure you subscribe to Aquademia wherever you listen to podcasts. So you get all those new episodes automatically downloaded onto your device when they come out. And you can always follow us on Twitter at Aquademia Pod. And if you'd like to get in touch with us, tell us about a guest that you have in mind or a topic you want us to cover or maybe you want to sponsor the show, you can do that at globalseafood.org slash podcast. And lastly, as you always hear us say, we really would appreciate it if anybody takes a couple minutes to leave us a rating and review wherever you listen. It really helps us out a lot and we appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening and we will talk to you next time. Bye. Ciao.